This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Brinefield Services Company, Zolandez. Check them out at zolandez.com. That's Z-E-L-A-N-D-E-Z dot com. It's Joe Lowry. Welcome to another episode of the Global Lithium Podcast. Today is episode 159. I have two guests, Daniel Jimenez and David Guerrero. We're going to talk about a number of things, but primarily focus on reactions to the new Chilean lithium strategy that President Boric laid out. This week, we'll also talk about price and what's happening in Argentina. I get David's reaction to the Chilean policy, but we also talk about what's going on in the ground as far as project development goes uh, in the Puna. I think you'll be surprised at how many projects there are. Many of you know the big ones, but there are a lot of smaller ones. And then I'll get David's number about what the potential for Argentina is, both long and short term from an LCE production perspective. I enjoyed talking to both gentlemen. I talked to Daniel on Thursday and David on Friday. It's two one-on-one conversations. I closed the episode with a few shout-outs and... Some advice for President Boric. I hope you enjoy it. Daniel Jimenez, my go-to source for all things Chilean politics. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. Thank you, Joe. It hasn't been such a long time this time. No, it's been, I'm sure people are very happy that I'm getting a credible voice from the country with experience to talk about the new lithium policy in Chile. So right off the top, how has the country reacted to this? And then I want to get your your personal thoughts. Well, I would say in general, the reaction has been not good, at least least from the the business side. The fact that um, the government has put so much trust in the capabilities of a of the state to operate enterprises uh, compared to what private uh, uh, people can do uh, ha- has been quite disappointing. And uh, and at the end of the day, the, 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 the stock price of SQM reflects a little bit this disappointment, not only uh, in Chile, but also outside of Chile. Now, from my perspective, uh, the, what came out as this national uh, lithium strategy it's not so different from what they have been all the, uh, saying all the way, uh, all along. Um, but it's kind of disappointing to see them finally made official um, and official in the sense that this is the concept. Now it needs to, to be tried to put into laws, which are a part of that. And the other part it can be implemented without it requiring a law, but... Uh, 
but that will probably be um, also very, very, very much contested, right? Let's let's parse that a little bit. So the part that can't, the part that has to be as a result of legislation is the National Lithium Company. Is that correct? Right. That's right. Uh, and and which for me is not really the relevant part uh, of of what comes out of this. I mean, when I look at this, I see like three aspects. One is Atacama and the relationship with the current uh, operators at Atacama. The second is development of new salt flats. Uh, and the third one is, and this is the leg which requires a little bit more, more, more involvement, uh, more, more legal approvals by Congress, which has to do with the National Lithium Company, this institute to, to develop uh, R&D and so on. And that part, I think, is very marginal in the whole problem. So I, w- I would focus on these two, two, two first points, which is Atacama and, and, and the Salt Lakes, to, to analyze that. And let me just clarify, is Maracunga outside of all this because it, it's under the old law, like Lithium Power International, and they have a project, but it hasn't moved forward. Would they be infected in any way by this or are they free to move forward anyway? Maricunga, indeed in Maricunga, you have a, a number of, of, of tenements which are of, go back to the old mining code. And indeed, in those mining codes, um, Lithium Power has some of them, Simcoe has others. And both of them are developing projects around those tenements. Still, the the, the, the Codelco got the, the license over all of Maricunga, with the exception of those tenements which do hold r- Lithium rights from, from the old mining code, uh, which 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 is where, they, where where these two pro- companies are developing the projects right? but but the original size of the projects was was much bigger it included included also tenements which were part of the new mining code right? or were established in the new under the new mining code yeah i got some uh negative feedback from people that that were invested in lpi because they said uh this didn't affect them. And I said, well, I, d- I didn't say it did affect you. I just said that there would be many Solars that I thought the development would be slower than if you just opened it up and said private investments the way we're going to go. And now that the IRA is in effect and there's a free trade agreement with Chile and the United States, that there would be more incentive for for capital to flow to these Solars, which, as you mentioned on your recent appearance, the Solars that haven't been developed outside of the Atacama in Chile are just as good as or better than most of the Solars on the other side of the Andes in Argentina. So there was a lot of upside there. But from my perspective, this new policy will take some time to to play out. So it's probably going to slow that down. And if the government indeed gets the National Lithium Company passed, you're going to have majority ownership by the government. And I'm not sure that's attractive to foreign capital. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, if we go into what, what has been laid out for in terms of the development of this new, of these salt flats, which have no development so far, I mean, and, and then we have two, two, two areas. One is what they say on those salt lakes where there is a project today, Codelco and Seola are going to get a, a Codelco and Enami are going to get a, 
uh, this license. And then Codelco and Enami will have to see whether they want to develop that salt flood with the current developers or not. Basically, uh, they're telling the developer who had a project and the hope of getting a license one day, they gave the license to Codelco or Enami is going to get it. And, and now they will have to negotiate with Codelco and Enami. And, and that would probably end up in a 51% stake at the state-owned company. So, so very, very, very complex. So by your, your thoughts, Maracunga is still not clear as to how, what's going to happen, especially if you get a national lithium company, that there may be some old tenements with, with rights that go back to the old mining law, but there are other factors at play. Do I, is, that, is that what you're saying? If those tenements of the old mining code, and they included lithium as their, uh, as, as the metal, as, as and they had right over metals, which is lithium, well, then there shouldn't be any, uh, anybody should contest that right, right? Uh, or, or they will have that right. But I know that there are certain, certain uh, discussions there about whether those, those tenements, indeed or not, uh, have the right over metals or not. And, and, and that is probably the, the, the discussion. Your personal gut reaction to this. I think I know what it is, but we, we've, we've contemplated something happening. Now it's happened. Uh, how do you think? It, it doesn't seem to affect Abelmarl much because they go to 2043 anyway, and you could have all this change with a new election. But with SQM... How do you see that playing out? Yeah, look, I, th I think for SQM, uh, I mean, SQM has a base scenario, which is 2030, we go home, we ho we have still the, 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 the chemical refining plants. That is the base scenario. With this, what happens now in which Codelco, I mean, the, the contract is going to be respected, but Codelco will try to reach an agreement with SQM in order to participate already early in that project. I think that opens the possibility, first of all, to an extension of the contract. Secondly, to maybe increase a production quota prior to 2030. And that could have a lot of value. And maybe in that combination of, of values, you end up with a deal in which Codelco steps in earlier, uh, gets a stake of it, but uh, the operation can be increased in, in, in size and, and the life of the, of the project as well. But that is a matter of negotiation, and it will boil down to numbers. Uh, also, also the, the the stake of Codelco in this in this company will also be be, be also a, a big thing in the, the discussion. Um, the government has stated that they want to have fifty one percent of all strategic projects. Now that I think is is a big big deterrent for investment to come because. Uh, I mean, you don't want to invest uh, knowing that you will not, you're not a developer project, knowing that down the line you're not going to control it. No? So, but anyway, I, I, I mean, I think for SQM it opens the possibility to to an to extension of contract, uh, to higher production uh, before 2030, and uh, yeah, we'll see how those negotiations go. Well, I was a buyer of SQM when it hit the mid sixties, just because I actually see this as a potential positive by giving certainty as to what happens beyond 2030 
as you said. So I, I, I know everybody in the stock market re- reacted negatively to this, but uh, I, I think it's it's sixty five bucks or whatever. Uh, SQM still yeah. still a buy. <laughs> which, which, to be honest, I also did. Yeah, uh, and that did. that is not investing advice. Listeners. Investment advice huh? <laughs> Neither one of us are yeah. qualified investment advisors. Exactly. But to summarize, we we both feel that this could have been done better. I think is is fair to say, but uh, it is what it is. No, I, I I think it not it it should have been done better. I mean, Atacama, I think it's within what was expected. But what is the development of all the other salt flats in Chile? That is really, uh, to my opinion, a, a tragedy. Really, they want to make it compulsory to use DLE. Yeah, which you're a big fan of. <laughs> they they want you uh, the projects to reinject into the salt flat or the, or the, the, the brine of a DLE extract, which is technically not proven anywhere. And, and, and could have a significant environmental impact, right? In terms of, 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 of structures of, of the salt flat. They want them to take control of any project which is developed without putting any, any, any capital. So I think it is very unlikely that private companies will uh, be running to try to develop the lithium project in Chile, knowing that you will lose fifty percent of it. Is that has it- that been announced? I mean, is that part of the the language that for the non Atacama Maracunga salt flats that the the companies that come in they give up fifty point one percent of their ownership still bear a hundred percent of the capital. I mean, it doesn't say it that way. It says that if the state considers them strategic, finds them strategic along the way, it will take 51%. But nowhere does it say that uh, it, it's going to contribute capital in that case. Nor, uh, yeah, and actually it doesn't say anywhere, uh, just the contrary, that the state is going to receive money uh, from the from the bidding process of the, of the mining licenses. I guess this makes the point that that I made early on that this just seems like it's only partially baked and there's a lot of uncertainty and the market and investors in these projects tend to hate uncertainty and probably this means that the people most interested in investing in Chile will be the Chinese because they need lithium the most that is true. That is true, and um, and that is also probably the consequence of it. Because here, when and even imaginarism wouldn't be 50, 50, 50. It would be sixty private, forty estate. But to negotiate with the state is very difficult for any private company. Uh, and and I think I think China and they have proven it here in Chile. They they use the 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 state to state power to discuss things which usually private companies. In other parts of the world, do not have access to it, and and I think yes, this will most likely mean that if there's any investment in in this area, it will the the, the most likely capital is going to be Chinese capital. That's that's my feeling, but only only time's going to tell. While I have you here, because I know you have a time constraint, let's talk a little bit about a happier subject: price. 
I saw you in Singapore a few weeks ago. We talked about this. We are both of the mind that at some point later this year, price will go up and it might go up substantially. I think we may have already seen the turn happen with what's going on in China right now. What's your view? Yeah, I mean, look, it hasn't changed. Uh, it has really changed. Um, uh, the the I think the, the underlying fundamentals are still a very strong lithium demand growth um, driven by EV sales, which are which are uh, growing and their prospects are continue being very good. Uh, with a supply where which is trying to catch up that that demand growth with that demand growth, uh, but will. I mean, we're talking here about annual increases of supply required to satisfy this demand of 200, 300,000 tons per year over the next five years. That was the total market in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah. It, yes. it, took, it took 70 years of having the industry <laughs> to get to that number, which yeah. is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not apples to apples, but it is something that people ought to have in their head when they think this is just going to be easy because money's flowing to projects. Yeah. And, and, and that is something which I get that a lot of comments now, but the market reacts very quickly with the price signal. So supply will be there. Yes, that happens a lot uh, uh, with, with certain commodities. But in this case, we're talking that we need to start from mining. And, and the time to develop a mine is from exploration to, to having it in operation 8, 10, 15 years as well. So, so, so it is very difficult, even with the correct signals. I mean, even this prices of $25, Joe, is something which, which, which 10 years ago you would have developed any project if you yeah. would have known yes. that this was going to happen, right? Uh, so, so the incentives indeed are there. But it's it's the execution of the, of that of those expansions which is the critical, or the difficulty and the challenge. Yeah. So we both see a continued shortage. We both see what's happened in China lately, where even when the price went down below the equivalent of forty thousand U.S., some of the lipidolite projects had to shut down because they couldn't make money, and there's a frenzy anything containing lithium right now in China, including aluminum pots that when you use lithium in an aluminum pot, the first year you use double because uh, the liner has to absorb lithium to get to a balance. And now people are trying to extract that. So I see all this desperation combined with the fact that China did have a very unusual first six or six months of the year. I mean, obviously we're only in April now, but let's give it two more months to play out because you do have the ICE rules where they're discounting cars in China before the new environmental rules. You had the COVID situation. So it wasn't a normal year and still spots started to just edge up, not, not go up substantially, but I think that we've we're at the bottom or if we're not at the bottom, we can see it from here. And that, yeah, I'm I'm still sticking with Q4. Is you're gonna you're gonna see a spike sometime between now and Q4, but it doesn't really matter if the price stays at least where it is now or higher. All the brine producers make a lot of money. 
and all the mineral producers as well, huh? Yeah, well, and right now it's that's that's the narrative I have is that as long as you see spodumene prices above thirty five hundred to four thousand, you're not gonna you're not gonna see twenty thousand dollar lithium carbonate for any period of time. That's true. That's true. Because the math doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you've you're a busy man. You've got things to do. I will let you go do what you got to do, but I really appreciate your time. This is an issue that I've gotten. I I don't think there's been anything happened in the last two years that have caused more traffic on my website or calls than <laughs> President Borich. So now we have a, we have a famous president in the lithium scene. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Joe. And now we're going to cross the Andes and get the Argentinian perspective on what's going on with their neighbor. The next guest is David Guerrero, the last samurai of brine, who has been on the podcast multiple times and really understands what's going on the ground in Argentina and has the perspective, the industry perspective that you like to get. You're listening to the Global Lithium Podcast. We are in a lithium supply shortage that could last well into the next decade. It is not going to fix itself. The industry needs to speed up the project development cycle. We need prime projects to come online in less than half the time it currently takes. From Argentina to Chile, from Ombre Muerto to the Atacama, Zolandes is the leading provider of technology and services for the production of lithium chemicals from brine resources, working to cut down the time and cost of production. To find out more, go to zolandes.com. That's Z-E-L-A-N-D-E-Z dot com. The last samurai of brine. Welcome back Joe. to the podcast. Good to be here again. Well, there's no shortage of news in the industry. The last bit took place on the other side of the Andes. And I've gotten some feedback from Chile, but I'd like to understand how... Chile's new lithium policy is being viewed on your side of the Andes, both by you and by what you hear from your vast network of contacts. Interesting times for sure, Joe. Um, well, we, of course, were all surprised with this announcement. Um, I'm going to be very diplomatic and say that I didn't see sufficient information yet uh, to, to have like a strong position towards this. But initially, uh, it doesn't look great for our Chilean neighbors and their fairly big participation in the, in, in the lithium game globally. So um, hopefully the, that clarification comes with you know, time. That I guess the, the next months are going to be key in understanding exactly what um, uh, the Chilean government means with these uh, new policies that they're trying to roll out. And we could probably do a 
the subsequent podcast podcast where we analyze that in depth. From uh, the Argentinian side, though, uh, and I got this question uh, a few times during the last uh, the last days. Um, the the biggest obstacle for um, the national government to come up with a similar idea would be, and we discussed this before, that the owners of the resources are the provinces in these. Uh, federal government. So a lot of laws would need to be discussed and changed for uh, something like this to happen. So chances of that happening, in my mind, very slim. Um, on the other hand, with all these, these craziness and today more than probably 30 projects that are um, being uh, developed, different instances, some of them still early exploration, some of them more advanced, um, some already in construction, soon to uh, start producing. Uh, I, I don't think, and it doesn't look like any of the provincial governors will see these as a good idea because these are basically funds and and um, benefits that go directly into the provinces. They don't depend on any action or reaction from the national government in terms of these um of these financial movements, these uh, capital being allocated directly into the provinces going into the ground. Well, let's, for the listeners and, and maybe for me too, reprise. The rules are, as I understand it, the provinces decide, but there's a federal cap on royalty now. Is that correct or have I uh, remembered that the wrong? That is that is correct. What the national law prevails is these um, up to three percent royalties, um, and the provinces apply that with with different criteria. Um, some provinces with metal projects like San Juan have uh, uh, developed alternative uh, terms for these royalties, and they created trust funds where in addition to these royalties, uh, mining companies contribute to these trust funds. These trust funds many times are used to uh, either preserve or, or increase existing infrastructure. Um, so again, these different provinces have different approaches. Um, I guess at some point there will be discussions on on, on this scheme, on these uh, structure for um, for uh, royalties with the mining industry, but um, going as far as thinking on on a nationalization or, or a, um, a super strong state participation, if you want to avoid the word nationalization, um, I, I don't see that happening uh, in the near or midterm, for sure. And, and to be clear, there's there's more than one way to skin the royalty cat. If you look at Hahui. Sales to Huhui or has, I guess, what amounted to a carried interest and participation that, you know, amounts to more than a trivial interest. So I don't know what the pol the official policy in Salta is, but uh, maybe maybe you can enlighten me on on that. Well, and, and when the when the law allows for it. Um, the provinces like uh, Salta, Jujuy, Catamarca have their own uh, uh, mining companies, you know, government mining companies. 
Uh, and that's how uh, HEMSE, the Jujuy one, ended up being a participant in the um, Oleros project. So those provisions are that when certain mining tenements end up in, in their possession, um, the, um, the law prevails that they, they could uh, go out and put them into bidding processes. And then, you know, the, the, the best bidder, of course, will eventually uh, get those properties granted for development with, with different outcomes at that point on how to structure a potential government participation. Sometimes it's uh, option agreements, sometimes it's just a, a straight buyout and potentially something like what Hemsa did with um, uh, small government participation in this case. It's unfortunate that the, the global press tends to paint South America in general with a broad brush. And in this case, in the last weeks, they've kind of thrown Mexico into and talked about nationalization and Mexico nationalized their lithium industry, which is non-existent, by the way. But a global audience doesn't really understand all the subtleties. I guess I wanted to ask the, the question in, in a clear way. I think you've already answered it, but just it's an obvious answer to all. When we read on some of the major news outlets that Argentina's probably next in nationalizing their industry, first, that's a mischaracterization of what's happened in Chile, because that's not it's not nationalization in the classic sense. And the policy is still not clear enough to know actually what's going to happen. But what I'm hearing you say and what I'd like you to confirm is that you do not see a federal level run at taking over assets, demanding ownership, putting in some kind of very high royalty structure so that they uh, achieve the billions in revenue that Corfo currently is getting from SQM and Albemarle. Is that a fair assessment of your opinion? I think it is. Uh, definitely don't see any sort of uh, federal government participation, national government participation. Um, as I described before, and not a lawyer, I'm sure the listeners, they will all have very um, important firms in Buenos Aires that could uh, confirm my point of view, but there's a lot of obstacles for something like this happening. And I, from a, despite this is a a very politicized year because it's, it's elections year for, for us and many things get said. So um, it's just uh, uh, being careful, analyzing what are the, the real possibilities of something like this happening. Uh, honestly, I don't see a clear possibility, a clear path for something like this happening overnight. You know, um, there's a, a big difference in terms of uh, government structure between uh, Chile and Argentina. And again, federal country, provinces owning the resources, the governors um, enjoying the benefits of uh, capital being deployed to explore and advance these projects in all three provinces. I, I believe the governors will be the first ones to defend, if that's the right word to use, um, their own their own resources. Now, in terms of royalties, I'm sure discussions will continue to see what's the best structure, what's the most creative way to um, to have uh, the the each provincial government participate in the industry. Besides all the uh, the uh, economic overflow. Uh, 
these provincial governments are enjoying these days. Uh, and, and just to add on that, to, to, to give you a, a bigger picture, uh, in Salta today, um, it, it's sometimes difficult to find properties to rent, very difficult to find people to hire, um, uh, particularly those related to, to, to the lithium industry. Um, Salta today has uh, the existing gold operation, Lindero, uh, participating in 50% of the exports of the province. So you do see the mining industry growing. Um, I've been connected to the industry for more than 20 years now. People barely talked about mining. Now everyone wants to be part of that, which is honestly a, a good good to hear for some of us that had spent um, quite a number of years in this in this sector that uh, our kids and, and the society um, looks at it with um, much better eyes. They're learning, they're you know, trying to be part of. Let's frame the level of activity right now in the lithium industry in Argentina. I don't think it's well understood uh, outside of the region. If I have the numbers right, there are more than two dozen active projects right now. Is that is that a fair statement? And your perspective on where that's all going? Because Argentina's kind of been stuck at 35,000-ish tons of production since Orla Rose started. I've written for a number of years. I thought Argentina had the potential to catch and exceed Chilean production. Uh, it might not happen by 2030, but do you think that'll happen? What's your What's your thought? Interesting. There's, uh, your number is not that far off from mine. I'm thinking about 30 active projects as we speak. Um, as we said, different stages. Um, and in terms of, of production, probably not by 2030, but I'll, I'll, I'll be positive and optimistic, but maybe by 2035, we would potentially cross that threshold of uh, uh, being in a, in a first position over, over Chile. Uh, of course, that depends on so, so many factors, but good news in any case is that for 2030, I do see um, quite an interesting number uh, being produced from Argentina, from brines. There's some early stage kind of timid um, exploration in, in hard rock in Argentina that there is some presence too, but I wouldn't even account for, for something like that, um, for, for, for that kind of near future, 2030, 2035. Given the, the quality of the assets vary and the evaporation characteristics vary around Argentina, how many of those 30 projects roughly would require working DLE to go into production? DLE has been adopted by uh, more projects in the last five years as a, as a solution to process. And it's not just DLE as a, as a sole solution, as an independent, unique solution. It's probably adding DLE and combining it with a conventional process. So my quick uh, answer would be that we're not only talking about DLE, probably lots of hybrid um, process solutions will be seen in these uh, kind of new projects that we're seeing in this new wave, if we use the, the same term we used before, 
Yeah, and to clarify that, a, a hybrid DLE is similar to what a live vent's doing, where they have a form of direct extraction, but they also have ponds to uh, ultimately get the desired outcome. Correct. Okay, so let's get down to some prediction of numbers. What do you see for production, not this year, but in 24? That's question one. And I'll ask question two, just so it's mulling around in your head. Mm-hmm. And then what's what you ultimately see is peak lithium for Argentina, the, the total amount, the maximum amount of LCEs that the country could produce. Answer that any way you choose to go through it. <laughs> difficult, difficult question. <laughs> yeah, for, for, for the short term, um, I definitely see um, uh, Bosco being in that list. Um, Aramet, uh, the French French producers, uh, the partnership between Lithium Americas and Gamfeng for sure. We we're all waiting for their um, kind of first product coming out of that plant, and uh, I presume that it's going to be happening soon, very soon, I would think. Um, then uh, I've also heard some some comments about uh, the uh, Polaros expansion. I, I I could count on that for sure by 2024, and um, and then a possibility for the uh, for the live expansion as well that we've been waiting for those extra twenty thousand, and um, I guess there's the there's the possibility for that happening too. Not sure if all of that will happen entirely during 2024, but my my. Yes, or my calculations are based on a kind of 12 to 18 months uh, time frame. For the remaining part of the question, the tough one, um, if I run a quick math accounting for what I just said, plus um, a couple of others that could be there a little uh, delayed in their, in their start of production, probably in the range of 160,000 adding to the 35 plus thousand you got. So may risk to say around 200,000 by 2030. Um, And and then potentially I have to be coherent with my prediction for overpassing uh, Chile. The the remaining should come up for that um, 2035 uh, milestone that we all talked about and have seen so many uh, J-stick curves drawn in, in presentations, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, top number, very difficult to predict. I think if, if uh, things remain um, the way they are, so no, no, no changing, no fixing what's, what's now broken. Um, government support infrastructure, I think Argentina could, could thrive. Um, may risk to say, you know, half a million in by, by 2040. Um, I'm not sure what, what you think. That sounds too ambitious, but um, it, I think I'm it really. Thinking, I think it really depends on the success of direct lithium extraction. To be honest with you, yeah, probably yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think I was I was going to comment. One thing we all learned over these years is it's not easy to put these projects in production. You know, um, we all have seen very ambitious timelines where 
people said, oh, this is going to be ready in 18 months or it's going to be ready in two years. And reality has told us that this takes a lot more time. So these last uh, couple of years, having conversations with different actors from different origins, you know, Asian, European, North American, uh, people get surprised when I say, think a minimum of five years. But at the end of the day, that's roughly what, what it takes. You know, as soon as you made your investment decision, you have to account for permitting, you have to account for things not going great during construction and then fine tuning those plans to, to get into steady production. So it's not difficult to, to burn all those years. So Final, plan ahead. Yeah. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. Final question. Uh, last night in an interview I did uh, with a group in Chile, when they refer to the lithium triangle, I said the lithium triangle has two legs, Chile and Argentina. Bolivia is not a serious player. Hasn't been, has been 40 years now of attempts to be become a significant lithium producer. What's your take on Bolivia? Where do you see that this going? Uh, you got Chinese money coming in. You've got... Um, an announcement of where they're going to go. And then six months later, it seems like they change, they change direction. Where, where do you see Bolivia as a lithium producer in five years? I guess Bolivia has always been very difficult to, to predict what may happen there. Um, they, they're dealing with uh, different, different, pla- different players from different nationalities, a lot of geopolitics involved in Bolivia these days. Um, that resource, that big resource that we keep mentioning as part of the global reserves of lithium uh, needs to be developed. So um, everything the Bolivian government could do to make that easier, uh, as said before, applies for every place, right? Don't go crazy on, on too many regulations, just let capital flow and, and, and things will start happening. Um, I think we will all be very alert to what happens in the next couple of years with um, Chinese investment there, North American investment and other parts of the world that are also uh, participating in, in those uh allocations that the, Chile, the Bolivian government has done on the Salario Junior and surrounding. Okay. Sorry, Sorry if I ele- wasn't as, as blunt it, as you expected. It's an election year. You could be a politician. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it, it, it was a very smooth answer, which is not uh, unfamiliar territory to you. All right. Thank you very much for your time. Always a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you in the Puna, in Salta, during the Panorama Minero event. For meet meet us all at Panorama Minero's event. I'll probably wear a bow tie again. <laughs> yeah. Well, would you like to translate for a... <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. Thanks I'm a lot. Up for it. Thanks a Take lot. Take care, Joe. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. You. And there you have it. Two voices I respect. Always enjoy speaking with interesting topics, whether it be the Chilean slash Boric lithium strategy price or 
getting an update on Argentina as well as the Argentine's opinion about China's national policy. I think we packed a lot into this episode. I'm going to close with a couple of things, a couple of shout outs. One to Scott at S&P Global. He was in town and uh, we had coffee, which morphed into barbecue. Uh, it was a pleasure to yeah, have some time with him. And my friends, and this is a virtuous circle given Daniel is on the board of Galan Lithium. Yesterday, I received a box of swag from WA and I have to say Galan is now in the top three of swag providers the jacket they have is primo uh, at some point this weekend I'll put a picture of it on Twitter and if you're really interested in this chili thing and you haven't heard my interview uh, that I did with the uh, uh, three gentlemen from Chile. It's video. There's a link to it on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. Uh, it was uh, a lot of fun talking to those guys. And uh, I was hesitating to say the name because I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong. But uh, their Twitter handle is at pivates underscore CL. That's P-I-V-O-T-E-S underscore cl and gentlemen my apologies if i've butchered your name and finally i will close with a japanese proverb hana yori dango literally meaning dumplings over flowers or dumplings before flowers the real meaning is to choose substance over appearance and that would be my advice to president boric of chile all the talk about the new lithium strategy sounds good and panders to a portion of your electorate but you have a great opportunity here to fix what you've laid out thus far and draw in investment from around the globe and really develop your lithium industry in a sound way. And I would urge you to do that. In any case, thanks again for listening.